Hello, everyone, and welcome to our third podcast in our national conversation series about customer service in the U.S. I'm Denise Waiters with J.D. Power, and with me today is Annette Franz. Annette has over 30 years of experience in the customer service industry, and during that time, she has held a number of roles. Among other things, Annette has been a coach, a consultant, a thought leader, a keynote speaker, a journey mapping facilitator, and she's an author of two books. Annette accepted our invitation to be a guest today because she loved to share her expertise with the customer experience, the employee experience, and company culture. So we're honored to have you here today, Annette. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. All right. Well, Annette, in the next few months, J.D. Power will be publishing our first ever cross-industry customer service journey study. And this study will offer voice of the customer feedback for over 100 brands across multiple industries. And we feel that this study is important because customer expectations are continually increasing and companies are trying their best to keep pace. And what better way to do that than with competitive benchmarking against other performers, particularly top performers. So the companies in the study range from banking and financial services, auto and member health insurance, wireless and cell phone providers, internet service providers, utility companies. We've got hospitality brands that include airlines, hotels, and rental car companies. And we've included some very popular retail establishments. So Annette, to get us started today, You've got over 30 years in the industry. So why don't you tell us about your background and share why you're so passionate about the customer experience? Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say, it sounds like you have almost every industry covered in that study. So I'm excited to see what those uh, results will be. Um, I started my career uh, about 31 years ago. Um, in 1992, I started with J.D. Power and Associates. At the time, it was J.D. Power and Associates. Um, I had been, you know, looking for a job in the newspaper. So there we are dating ourselves. And I found an ad for a, a position there. And I thought, you know, I love math. I love writing. What better, you know, place to use both of those passions and skills than in market research? So Joined um, joined the team at JD Power and Associates. That was I was there for five years. Um, left there and went uh, out to a bunch of other <laughs> a bunch of other places uh, over the last thirty years. I had to, I've had two stints on the client side um, with Mattel. Sorry, three stints: Mattel and Fidelity, and a startup here in uh, Orange County. Um, but I spent most of the the majority of those thirty. 30, almost 30 years um, working to run the consulting services organizations for some of the major voice of the customer platforms. I left about uh, early 2017 to start my own company, CX Journey Inc., and, you know, working on the kinds of projects that I love to work on, you know, and as you mentioned, customer experience strategy, employee experience strategy, and corporate culture. So it's been a, it's been a fun ride. It's been really interesting to see how this thing that we didn't even call customer experience back in the day has evolved to what it is today. So yeah, it's been an interesting ride. Well, thank you for sharing that. So here you are full circle with J.D. Power. Yes. <laughs> so Annette, you, you speak a lot about the customer experience, the agent experience and company culture. Would you say that company culture is the driving force behind the agent and customer experience? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's the foundation of the business, right? And if we don't get the culture right, then I think everything else sort of goes awry as well. You know, um, I, I'd find uh, culture as core values plus behaviors. Um, it's really important that we define those core values, both in terms of what they actually mean, but also in the sense of what are the, you know, acceptable and unacceptable behaviors um, for you know, employees to adhere to, and, and I, it's employees and executives, everybody in the organization needs to adhere to that. And then, you know, make sure that those are socialized and operationalized. Too many companies make, make those uh, core values just uh, posters on a wall, and we really need to socialize and operationalize those. And by operationalize, I mean, well, let me go back to the core values for a second. It, the core values, if you don't have one in there that's customer-specific or customer-driven, certainly as you're outlining the behaviors, um, I would uh, incorporate, you know, what that means for how we interact with each other as employees and how we interact with, with our customers, with our vendors, with our partners, whoever it might be. So having some of that language in there so that employees can really understand how we make that connection between culture and employee experience and customer experience is really important. Um, but to socialize and operationalize them is really important. When we operationalize them, we do things like, you know, we hire, we hire for culture fit. We hire for people who are, who love, you know, interacting and helping and, and wanting to be around people, um, and, and, and hire for that culture fit. We promote, we evaluate, we fire based on those core values. We develop our processes and policies through the lens of those core values. So that's how important it is to get that culture right so that ultimately it will be the driving force behind both the employee experience and the customer experience. So that's good. That that means it's you're like driving it into the DNA of all employees. Yes. So that's Absolutely. um yeah that that's a, that's always a, a a good thing. It's very very important and critical to um certainly driving the customer experience. Yeah, and you so, make a great point that it that that when we when we do that, we want the entire organization. You know, I think a lot of people talk about you know the culture, and they they might think that hey, well, my team's got this culture, my team's got that culture. Ultimately, we all roll up to the enterprise wide, the overall corporate culture, and we've all got to you know live within those core values. And and I think that's such an important thing is that it's got to be flowing through the DNA of the organization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. So in that. Here at J.D. Power, we often speak about brands being customer-centric, and I read an article that you wrote last month about the difference between being customer-focused, customer-centric, and customer-obsessed. What is the difference between the three? I, I think, you know, there's... So when we talk about... I'll start with customer-focused. When we talk about customer-focused, yes, it, every brand will say that they are focused on the customer and and they may think that they actually are, but, you know, because they maybe they listen to, you know, customers, however, however they get feedback from customers, mostly, you know, just surveys. Um, but they really don't take the time to understand the customers at a deeper level and then use what they know, use that understanding to, um, you know, to drive, to design and, and deliver uh, great experiences for, for customers. Instead, it's more of like, it's more of a, transactional kind of thing. It's, you know, the focus is on the person who's in front of me and I'm, I'll do what's right or I'll do what's best for that person. And, you know, I'm, I'm one employee who does that, but maybe not every employee or every department does that, right? Customer-centric means it's that, you know, 
the customer is at the heart of everything we do. Every person, every interaction, every transaction, every decision, every channel, every department, right? It, and I, I define it as there's no discussions, no decisions, or no designs without bringing that customer voice into uh, into it, without asking you know, how is this going to impact the customer? How is it going to make her feel? What value does it add for her? What problems does it solve for her? It's really a way of doing business throughout the entire organization, right? It's long-term and it's relationships. It's about relationships too, and it's not transactional, which is how I feel customer focuses. And then customer obsession is, I, I feel this is a, a term that, you know, Jeff Bezos came up with um, at uh, Amazon, but I think it's really just taking customer centric to the next level. He defines it as hyper focused or an intense focus on the customer. And um, it, it sounds great, but it's really, I think, a fancy way of saying that the business is customer centric. Um, because I, I think obsession is a really hard thing to achieve. I think obsession is, as we all think about that term, might be a bit of a preoccupation. And while that's okay, um, and that's important, it, it, you know, as I defined it, you know, customer centric is no discussions, no decisions, no design. So you want to always have that customer top of mind. But I think uh, obsession is so out of reach for most most companies that I, I'd be happy if everybody just focused on being customer centric. <laughs> Okay, well, what, what steps can companies take to become more customer-centric? Well, there's a lot, there's a lot to um, being customer-centric. And, and you mentioned earlier that I'm an author, and in my last book, we, I wrote about the 10 you know, foundational principles of a customer-centric organization. And I think you know, there's 10 principles, but I think the, the, two, the two that are key, and then I'll follow that up with two more, is number one, the culture. Culture's got to be right. You know, you've got to have that that customer centric DNA flowing through the organization. The culture has to be one where, again, you bring the customer's voice into everything you do, right? And you don't do anything without, you know, thinking about the customer's best interests um, and having those in mind. So I think that's really important. So the culture really is a foundation. And then the second principle and the second thing that really needs to happen is that your leadership team, you know, this kind of cult, this kind of type of culture, this type of organization is driven from the top down, right? We need that commitment from the CEO, from from every executive in the organization to say, you know what, we're doing this because it is in the best interest of our customers. Now, if you, so, and, and when we have that commitment from everybody, that means that they're going to commit the resources, you know, whether it's time, human capital, financial, whatever the resources that we need to do just that, right? To make sure that we have the customer's best interest and we have the customer at the heart of everything we do. But we also need our executives to be aligned because if they're not aligned, if they're not all on board, if they're not all on the same page, then, you know, customers suffer because you've got one department or one channel over here doing the right thing or one person over here doing the right thing and, and everybody else isn't. And, and then it becomes sort of this painful thing for employees because it becomes this inconsistent experience across the organization, regardless of who they're dealing with. So, so culture and leadership commitment are really important. I, I would say the other two things that are critical are number, number one, you have to accept the fact that 
um, employee experience drives customer experience. And I don't know that everybody <laughs> has made that connection yet, which always shocks me, but, but, you know, so we have to put employees more first and that customer understanding is the cornerstone of customer centricity. You know, you go back to that definition of what it means to be customer centric, to bring that voice into everything and to, and to have that understanding and use that understanding to design and deliver a great experience. So, so I think those are, those are, uh, sort of four key components that everybody needs to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you just touched on one, I think, an error, but the, my next question is, have you found any common errors that companies make when trying to become more customer centric? Yeah, um, there are some. Well, first, I, I think all of those, any, if you don't do any of the things that I just mentioned in, you know, those four things that I mentioned, then those are common errors. Again, a lot of times companies don't even realize that that connection between the employee ex- experience and the customer experience. A lot of times they don't have the right culture in place to do that. So I always get get my clients to start there with the culture. A lot of times the leadership teams aren't in alignment and it makes for a painful experience and, and we need to get them aligned. Um, and, and the customer understanding work that folks do, either they do it and it's just checking a box or they do it and it doesn't get to the right people who need to use that, you know, day to day to deliver a great experience. So I think those are, those are important. I think, um, I think another thing that ends up happening when, when we're trying to elevate the experience is that companies think that if we throw technology at it, that'll fix it. Right. Um, hey, let's let's automate this, or let's put this in the in the customer's hands, or let's build an app. But the the customer experience is very much human. And there's a there's a study out there from I believe it was PwC several years ago who said, you know, the more technologically advanced businesses come, the more people want to interact with humans, right? <laughs> so so that's so that's a, a key thing too. Um, I think that's those are probably some of the big things that I've seen is around, you know, those four topics that I brought up, you know, not doing those properly. And then, you know, that technology, um, over promising and under delivering, you know, there's no consistency from channel to channel. But if, again, a lot of this goes back to the culture, if we get the culture right, that will solve some of those problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you've written a couple of books. Tell us a little about your latest book, Built to Win. Oh, sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, Built to Win is really about deliberately designing an organization to be customer centric. And I wrote it because I felt like two things were happening. Number one, the the um, definitions or the way that the word customer centric was being used out in the marketplace, just it, it wasn't consistent. I, I felt like there are a lot of people who don't know, <laughs> really know what it means to be customer centric, right? Um, and so I thought, okay, well, let's, let's put something down here. You know, I've, I've got a great following. I've, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've seen a lot in those 30, 30 plus years. Let's, let's get it down and let's help people understand what it really means and what it really takes to be a customer centric organization. And, and then secondly, you know, for the folks in the trenches who get it and know that their leaders may not necessarily get it. Um, uh, some information to arm them to have those conversations with their executives and maybe even hand them the book and say, hey, listen, here's this is a great outline, a great, you know, detail about what it really takes for us to be customer centric and why, why it's so important. Right. So I, that's and in that book, I write about those 10 foundational principles that I that I mentioned earlier. So um, it's been well received and, and I'm really excited about, you know, the word that has gotten out. Mm-hmm. 
I'm excited about reading it. I haven't read it yet, but it is on my list. Absolutely. Oh, good. Oh, good. Thank you. So, Annette, although our cross-industry customer service journey study will be published in a few months, I'm asking all of my podcast guests, which industry do you think might rise to the top? What's your prediction? Oh, <laughs> that is a tough one. That is yeah. a tough one. And I can't wait to see which one actually does end up at the top. Cause I think, I think they've all got, I think they've all got issues. Some of them I think have made some improvements and you can see it here and there. And it's certainly, I don't feel like it's consistent across any one industry where, you know, but if I had to throw my hat in the ring, if I had to guess, I, I'm going to go with financial services. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I've had some good experiences, you know, on my, um, you know, my own, but, um, but I would say financial service, that's going to be my guess. Okay. Well, we will see in a couple of months when we launch the study. Thank you so much, Annette. Thank you so much for joining and participating in today's podcast. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your insight. And I certainly look forward to your next book. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Listeners, thank you for tuning in today as well. If you'd like more information on today's topic, please visit us on our website at jdpower.com forward slash business. Till next time.